0: Pray with me. Oh God, we long to see what we just thought upon and meditated upon. We long to stand before your throne and to see a great multitude that no one can number, a multitude, God, from every nation, from every tribe, from every people, from every language standing before your throne. We long, God, to hear them crying out, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. God, set our gaze upon that. May our posture be one that we are committed to running the race and carrying out the work until it is done. We ask this in the name of Christ, for the glory of Christ. Amen. The International Mission Board has identified 11,730 people groups in the world. 7,774 or I'm sorry, 7,074 of these people groups are considered unreached, meaning that they have less than 2% of an evangelical presence among them. That's 4 billion people. Of these, 356 of these people groups do not have access to any evangelical print, audio, or video resources, or people. No one To tell them the gospel. Nothing they can hear. Nothing they can read. That is 11,314,850 people. There are 204 languages in the world. That do not have the scripture. Translated into them. They cannot open the Bible and read it. They cannot memorize John three sixteen in their language. They cannot read Revelation seven and know what awaits those who praise the Lord. two hundred and four. One hundred and fifty four thousand nine hundred and thirty seven people die every day without Christ. That's two people every second. That means that in the time that I just read these numbers to you, at least half of us would die. There is no way to soften these numbers. There is no way To smooth them over, there's no way to make them seem less shocking or less ominous. But what these numbers do is they confront us with a series of serious questions that we have to consider. Questions like Do I really believe the Word of God? Do I really believe that it's true that every person who dies outside of Christ will experience the full wrath of God Almighty? Do you believe that? Is that just a Sunday school lesson? Or do you really believe that today 154,937 people die and they will be at the hands of an angry God, the hands of a God that will pour out His wrath on them Do we truly believe that no man comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ? Do do we truly believe that there is salvation in none other than the name of Jesus Christ? Salvation is not found in any philosophy, is not found in any way of living, it is not found in any religious rite or sacrifice, it is found in the name of Christ. Do we really believe that? Do we truly believe that he is the way, the only way for these to be saved from the brink of impending judgment that awaits them? Are are we willing to do what God has called us to do in order to proclaim the gospel, the good news, the hope of Christ to these people? Are we willing? Are we ready to do that? Are we ready to run the race? Are we ready to carry out the work that God has put before us? Are we willing to sacrifice the ease and comfort of life as we know it? So that these who are lost might know the peace and hope of eternal life as we know it? Is that us, or are we so content with ease and comfort and the way things are that we will sit here and we will hear about missions and we will be content with this kind of, this, 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 this feeling of oh that's so motivating and oh that's great what that missionary's doing and oh it's just wonderful to hear or are we going to be a people who's look and they see that the need is great a people who knows that the gospel is greater that we serve a risen God are we going to be a people who says I am going to follow Christ I'm going to pursue Christ I'm going to run hard after the mission he's called us to do are we a people that says we have work to do We're a people with a mission. We're a people with a task to accomplish. Are we going to do it? That's the question. Are we going to run hard after the mission that God has put before us? Or are we going to just walk through a nice pretty foyer week after week and casually glance at a statement on a wall that says, reaching the world and think nothing of it? We have to be about our Father's business. And our Father's business is to redeem a people unto Himself that will stand before the throne of God and lift high the name of Christ and declare that salvation belongs to the Lord. So our question this morning is this. What is the mission of the church? What is the mission of the church? What is, maybe another way of asking, what is the specific task or purpose for which the church is sent into the world to accomplish what is our goal what are we working towards when we sing that song and say that we're going to stand as children of the promise and we're going to carry it out until the work is done what's the work what's the mission what are we driving towards as a church i would present to you this morning that the mission of the church is to go unto all nations proclaiming the good news that salvation is found in jesus christ and make disciples who then go and make disciples. That's the mission of the church. That's what we're working towards. That we would go and tell the nations the good news of Christ. That we would go and make disciples who replicate and make disciples. And I would present to you this morning that a church that ceases to do that, a church that does not do that, is a church that will become so inward focused and so me-centered that it will slowly die and it will shut its doors. And that would not mean that Christ did not speak a faithful word when he said the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. Oh, the church will continue. But a local body who ceases to take part and ceases to drive forward in the mission of God will be a church that looks inside, it looks at self, becomes self-centered, selfish, and the doors will close. You show me a church that cares nothing of missions, and I will show you a church that is on the brink of death. As a local body. But the true church, the church that God has formed, is the church that goes forward in God's mission, who steps along with God's heart, who takes part with the Missio Dei, the mission of God, who sees God's mission and says, That's my mission, that's what I'm going to do. That is the church that will prevail. That is the church that that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's the church that we are called to be, and that's the church that we will be. A church that is set upon loving God, loving one another, and reaching the world for the glory of God. So when we think about what is the mission of the church, where we start is this, is that the mission of the church is rooted in the mission of God. And what I want you to see is that that God's plan and mission has always been that the nations would be glad in Him and that they would know and declare and praise Him for His salvation. We see that. We see that that God created man to to be in fellowship with him, to have a relationship with him, to have perfect communion with him. But but man rebels and breaks that relationship in Genesis 3. And then what we read in the rest of the biblical narrative is God's action to redeem man, his plan unfolding. Here here are some of these texts. As God works out this plan in Genesis 12, 1-3, when he forms a people unto himself through Abraham, he says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. But he doesn't stop there. Listen, what else he says? I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We know down the road in Romans chapter 4 that Abraham is set forward as, as the, the premier example of one who lived by faith. And that the children of God are rooted in that same faith. We see in Psalm 46.10 where God says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. We see the mission's heart of God. He will be exalted across the globe. That text that we prayed through last week, Psalm 67, 1-3, through 3, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face to shine upon us. That Your way may be known on earth. Your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise You, O oh God. Let all the peoples praise You. Why do we sing that new song? Because that's the resound of our heart. Let the peoples praise You. We want the peoples of the earth to praise our God. We long for people to know the salvation. We know that they would worship God as we worship. So we sing Psalm 67. Let the peoples praise you. In Isaiah 12.4. We read, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is Exalted. Isaiah forty nine six talking about the servant of the Lord describes him say I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation might reach to the end of the earth. We could go on in the Old Testament. We could speak of Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Obadiah, Amos, all carrying a message of impending judgment to the nations, a message similar to that of of Jonah that he carried to the Ninevites a message that brought them to repentance. God has a mission and that mission is that the nations would exalt him. When Christ comes, it just beautifully ex- increases that mission. It exponentially blows it up. That we see it in full splendor John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Then we we hear the text as Jesus, we see his ministry. And at the end, in five different instances, the resurrected Christ gives a commission, sends forth his disciples, his people to make known his name and salvation to the earth. In John 20, Jesus appears to the disciples after the resurrection and said to them, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. In Luke, the passage that Pastor Matt read, Jesus says, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Beginning from Jerusalem. We read in Acts, before Christ ascends, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the of the earth. The mission of God is the glory of God among the nations. And our mission as a church is to get in line with that mission. To see his name exalted and lifted on high among the nations. And so we turn today to Matthew 28. One of the most well-known mission texts as it should be. The text that that concludes the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew. And, and here, here's the thing, is we cannot allow our familiarity with this text to turn, cause us to turn a deaf ear to it, to lead us to miss the life-altering significance of it. I, I, I want you to know as we read this text, we're going to look at Matthew 28, 16 to 20. And as we read this text, this is not... A passage that should be comfortable to us. This is not a passage that we should read and go, hmm, that's nice. This passage should make us squirm. This passage should make us go, am I doing that? Am I obeying? Am I living what God has called me to do? Because it is not a passage that calls us to stay and sit. It is a passage that tells us to go and tell. It calls us to get up and be about God's work. Let's read this passage together. Matthew 28, verse 16. This is after the resurrection. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. To the end of the age. I think what what you have in this passage is somewhat of a hinge on a door. It's a passage in which we find the disciples kind of huddled around their rabbi, a small band of, of men, listening and learning and following him. And when Jesus speaks these words, he pushes open the doors. And that group of men walk in to the world. They walk into a situation that we see in Acts, where the church explodes, where the gospel is taken to the nations. This is a text that, that catapults the church into the mission of God. It slings us, it hurls us forward into His mission, where Jesus says, "You're to go." I want you to go and tell. I want you to proclaim my salvation to all the earth. And it hurls them into the mission of God. We see in verse 16 and 17 two responses. Two responses. When Jesus gathers them together, it says the disciples went to Galilee to a mountain to which he directed them. We don't exactly know where that is, but obviously the disciples did. We have guesses and assumptions. It says in verse 17, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. So the disciples worshipped him, they worshipped him. More than likely, it's not the disciples that doubted, it was others around. But here's what I want you to see, just briefly, is that there's two responses. Some will worship, some will doubt. They all saw. (laughs) They all saw the resurrected Christ, but some doubted. But others worship. That same response is going to be true today. We present the gospel. We declare Christ. We declare there is salvation and none other. Some will turn and some will worship him. But some will doubt. Some will doubt. And we can expect that. Verse 18 Jesus says to them All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority has been given to me we saw Jesus authority in the gospels if you just think about some of those lessons some of those stories you've heard in the gospels you think about the moment that that the the waters are raging the storm is intense the disciples fear and Jesus is sleeping and he gets up and he rebukes nature and the storm comes he shows authority We see the times where he speaks authoritatively over those in sin and shows his authority to forgive sin. We see the moments when he casts out demons. Demons shudder before him, that he has authority over the spiritual realm. We see moments where healing, he has authority over physical ailments. So it's not as though Jesus had no authority. And then all of a sudden he was given. Now you can have authority, Jesus. That's not the case. Jesus was God. When he walked upon the earth, he was God and he had authority. But what's happening here is this sphere of authority has expanded to include the heavens and the earth. It's what we, we read. you want to turn there, just listen to Ephesians 1, verse 20. It talks about... God's work, and according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. That Christ's authority has been expanded. He is no longer the suffering servant, smitten and afflicted by God the Father. He is the risen and reigning king. He is the Lord. You don't make him Lord. He is Lord. Right? He reigns supreme. All authority has been given unto him. Listen, this is important. Here's why this is important. Because if all authority is not given to Christ, what right do we have to go and to to tell the Hindu that there is salvation in none of those gods you worship? If, if all authority is not been given to Christ, if He is not the King of kings, if He is not the Lord of lords, if He is not the sovereign, almighty God, then He's just another God. He's just another little G God. And what I think about Him is no greater than what you think about Him. And He's no better than your God. But that's not the case, is it? He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the exalted one that has been seated at the right hand of the Father. And He does have authority. He reigns over all there is. He is the true and living God. Every other God is but an idol. And so when we go to the nations and we speak the name of Christ, we are speaking of the one who has utter authority over every evil spirit that binds them, that that they worship, that they live in fear of. Christ has authority over those evil spirits. That those trinkets that protect them from evil, that those sacrifices they offer every time they walk into the village, that the shaman that they trust to heal them and to protect them, Christ has authority over all of them. That the bank accounts that people trust in, that can be taken just like that, the health that we trust in, the doctors we trust in, Christ has authority over all. He is God. And as we read in Daniel, his authority leads to God's global exaltation. (laughs) His dominion, the authority of the Son of Man, results in the praise of God Almighty among the nations. Then we turn to verse 19 and 20. The the passage that we understand and, and know as the Great Commission. The church's mission where we read that Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, I want us to look at this in two ways. I want us to see the primary task that we have. And then I want us to see the, the expansive scope that we see here. So what is the primary task? Go, therefore, and make disciples. Baptizing them. Teaching them. What's the primary task in all of that? The, the, the primary goal is to make Disciples. That's what we're tasked with, is, is to make disciples. Everything in the passage revolves around this central command, to make a disciple. So what is a disciple? We, we read that, make disciples. If, if we're called to make disciples, what is a disciple? How would you define that? A, a disciple is, is quite simply a follower. It's, it's, it's someone who, who follows another. We, we are to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Christ so a disciple of Christ is one who embraces the cost of following Christ because he or she understands the incomparable value of Christ we long for Christ we worship Christ and we follow him regardless of the cost we follow him we do not turn and look back we do not worry about settling our affairs we simply follow Christ Matthew 16, 24. Jesus describes his disciples as those who are willing to deny themselves. He says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. A disciple who is, is one who is willing to deny himself and follow Christ. You need to understand that there is no Christian who is not a follower of Jesus. To be a Christian is to follow Christ, to be a disciple. Being a Christian is not something you just check on a box. It's not something you just write down as your religious affiliation. To be a Christian means you follow Jesus. So a disciple is one who submits to Christ as Lord, submits to Jesus as Master. A disciple is one who rejects his own rights, agenda, and prerogatives for those of Jesus Christ. A disciple is one who says, I once followed my own ways, my own desires, my own plans, my own goals. But I have submitted to Christ, and I will follow him wherever he leads. I will go. So that's what a disciple is. How does Jesus say these disciples are made? What does he tell us? There's three things that happen here, right? Going, baptizing, and teaching. So if we're to make disciples, it means that we must go. Go, therefore, and make disciples. We are not those who sit and revel in our blessings. We are not those who just sit back all fat and happy about how great life is, how easy life is. No, we are those who are called to take our blessings and to make Christ known among the world. That starts here. That we would go and make disciples on the streets, in the homes, in the businesses, in the public square of Somerset, Kentucky. It means going to various parts in our state to speak the name of Christ. It means going to Columbus, Ohio to partner with church planners and to share the gospel. It means going to Quebec, Canada. It means going to Peru. It means going to the Philippines. It means going to Syria. It means going to Utah. It means going to Africa. It means going wherever God gives you the opportunity to go. Wherever God affords you the ability to go, it means going and telling about Christ. So we see going. The second thing we see is baptizing. That we would proclaim the gospel and that people would respond in repentance and faith and then obediently be baptized as a public confession that they have turned their life to Christ. We understand that baptism does not save, but it is a demonstration, a symbol of the salvation that has come from Christ. It is a declaration before men in which we confess that Christ is Lord that I have died to self and I have risen to walk in newness of life, that Christ has given me, I am walk, walking now, living now for His glory and His honor. He is my Lord. So we go with that purpose. We don't go just to be nice, we don't go just to be kind, we don't go just to improve living conditions. We go to proclaim Christ. We go to make disciples and to see those disciples baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That they are baptized into the the triune God. That there's no mistake about what they're doing. That in that moment you are confessing that you are a disciple, you are a follower of Christ. Have you been baptized? I, I know there's probably some here among us. They would say, yeah, I'm I'm a Christian, but I haven't been baptized. That, That doesn't make sense in Scripture. If I'm a follower of Christ, I'm told to be baptized. Are you a follower of Christ? Have you followed Him in obedience to baptism? So we go, we baptize. And then the third way that disciples are made is through teaching. Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, he says in verse 20. Making disciples involves discipleship. That's a novel idea, isn't it? Making disciples involves discipleship. Our, our task is not to just go and just kind of just scatter the gospel and take off and get out of town. I hope they understood that. We're called to go and make disciples. We're called to teach them. We're, we're called to disciple disciples. We're called to teach them to obey all that Jesus has commanded. Not some of it, not a little of it, not what's easy, not what they like. We're called to proclaim the whole counsel of God. I I would say that unfortunately, the church in America missed the boat on that at some point and decided we would just teach what's easy. Teach what we like. Teach what tickles our ears. Instead of teaching all of the Word of God, the whole counsel of God, we must teach them all that God has commanded. This is not a call to some superficial teaching, easy teaching. This is a call to make disciples. This is a call to sit down with people and read Scripture with them. How how do you disciple someone? Sit down and read the Word with them. Some of you have been in Sunday school, longer than I've been alive. Surely, you could sit down with another young believer and read through Matthew and just explain what's going on and teach him. Surely to goodness, you could read through Philippians and help them understand the importance of unity and how in Christ we have great joy Sit down and read scripture with them. Teach them to obey all that Christ commands. Listen, this is why when it comes to missions, I am a firm believer in the importance of partnering with church planters, established missionaries, local believers. Because when we go and evangelize and and work with a missionary who's established, who has an ongoing mission there, We may be there for a week, but we leave and we know he can continue that work. When we go and we work in Columbus or we go in Quebec and we share the gospel and and some come to Christ but maybe some don't, we know that Jean-Marc can go and follow up. He can go and and teach. The people in his church come and, and make disciples. It's just the most effective way. Is there ever a a time to, to go into unreached? Certainly. But the beauty of having a partnership with believers there gives us the opportunity to reach and to teach. And we want to do that. We want to partner with church planners. We want to partner with missionaries and believers for the sake of the gospel, to help them do what God's called them to do as we do what God's called us to do. Now we talked about the primary focus. Look at the expansive scope of this passage. Look at the repetition, the frequency of the word all. We see in, in verse 18, all authority is given to Christ. In verse 19, that we're called to make disciples of all nations. And as we do that, we're called to teach them all that God has commanded. And the great assurance we have is that God is with us. Christ is with us always. All of our days it could be translated. Do you see the expansive scope? All authority, all nations, all that I have commanded, always, all our days. Christ is with us. We go as ambassadors of the almighty God who has sent us into all nations to reach people with the gospel and teach them all that God has commanded. And Christ is with us all our days. That's the empowering promise we have, that when we go, Christ is with us. There is not a day that we go that Christ will not be there with us. So this passage makes you uncomfortable. This passage makes you squirm. This passage goes, I don't know. I thought this is what my life was going to look like right now. I thought this is what retirement looked like. I thought this was what my profession would look like. And the Holy Spirit starts moving in you and says, no, it's going to look a little different. And we said, well, we thought this is what it would look like. No, it's going to look a little different. We get uncomfortable. I don't know. I'm uncertain. I'm fearful. Well, guess what? Christ is with you. God Almighty is with you all your days. We're called to all nations. We're called to disciple. We're called to teach. And God is with us. So the call has been given. It's not complicated. It's not complex. It's not something that that you read through and you go, I just can't grasp that. I can't wrap my mind around that. The call is there. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Does anyone not understand that? It's pretty simple. The call has been issued from our Lord. We must respond. We must obey. We have work to do, church. We have work to do. We have a task before us. So, what does this look like for our church? This week we're we're thinking about what's the mission of the church. Next week we're going to look about and think about what does this mean for me individually? So what, is, what might it look like here? What does this mean for Grace Baptist? It means that we will be a church that is constantly gazing upward at the glory of God as we are constantly moving outward for the renown of His name. It means that we will exalt the name of Christ as we go with the gospel. It means that we are not a come and see, attractional model. We are not going to put all this stuff up here so that people will come and see and say, hey, let us entertain you. Look how great this is. No, we are a go-and-tell, missions-oriented church. We are reaching and teaching. We are going to proclaim the name of Christ among the nations. It means that we are a church who is focused on being the salt and light in this community, that we are going to serve this community in love. It means that we're not going to just mooch off the community. We're not going to just take from them, but we're going to invest in this community, serve this community so that this community knows the glory of Christ and that salvation is found in Christ alone. It means that we're going to be a church focused on sending and planting rather than being the biggest church in town. I told our deacons last week that I would love to see people come to Christ. I would love to see that water never be drained. But I would also love to never have to go beyond one service. I would love to see people turning to Christ, coming to Christ and we raise them up and we disciple them and we teach them all that God has commanded and we send out. That means I would love to see some of you go. There's a side of me that would hate to see that. There's a side of me that would weep as you go. But there's a side of me that would be so excited I couldn't stand it. There's a side of me, I can say this, we're not on film right now and my kids aren't here. There's a side of me that is scared to death, that my kids are going to go around the globe, into dangerous places. But man, there's a side of me that says, God Almighty, you've given Braden soccer skills, the sport of the world. Go and play soccer among the nations. Go and play soccer among people who hate Christ. For the glory of Christ. I, I want to see. I want to see a generation raised up who love Christ. I, I want to see us being a church that is willing to lose in order to gain. That's willing to lose members as they go into the nations. That's willing to lose our comfort because it means gaining converts That's willing to give away resources for the advance of the gospel, give away so much it hurts because we are so concerned about the cause of Christ. I want us to be a church who's focused on raising up a generation of missionaries. I, I want us to be a church who encourages parents to pray from day one, God, give me faith to give my kids to you. God, don't let me teach them to be so comfortable and so settled here that they would never hear the call to go and go. I I want to be a church that's filled with members who just simply sign a blank document. It's completely blank. And at the bottom it says, wherever you lead, I'll go. I want that to be Grace Baptist. God is moving. God is doing a great work among the nations. Just through the IMB, last year, 535,325 people heard the gospel. 89,325 people came to faith in Christ. Man, that's awesome. That's something that we should rejoice in. There's 174,393 people taking place in Bible studies that did not do that before. They are being taught all that God commanded. There's 15,394 new groups of believers that have arisen in 2019. By the work of God through Southern Baptist missionaries. There are 12,368 new churches started. (laughs) That's incredible. Let the nations be glad. Let us rejoice. God is working. God is moving. Let's go with him. Let's get involved in that. The need is great. The gospel is greater. God is at work. Let's continue to give faithfully to the cooperative program. Let's continue to give as a church. Let's continue to lead out in that among our state. Let's continue to prioritize that our budget and let's continue to go let's continue to be a church that sacrifices for the sake of christ the mission of the church is not accomplished by churches filled with people who know the great commission but never actually engage in it we've got to be a church that engages in the great commission we've been missions oriented we've gone to peru we've gone around the globe we send people out let's continue to do that and let's turn it up a notch There's an urgent task in front of us, church. The task is accomplished, the mission is accomplished when everyone gets involved. For some, that means going. For some, that means giving. For some, that means teaching and equipping so that when they go, they take the gospel in faithfulness. But it happens as we all pray. At minimum, everybody in here, every member of Grace should be praying that we as a church would fulfill the mission that God has called us to fulfill. So it's time to get our hands dirty. Some of you, many of you I should say, are already doing that. Many of you are engaged. And those of you who are not I would say it's time to get your hands dirty in the work that God has put before us. Figure out how you can be involved in the mission of the church giving, going, sending, equipping, praying, encouraging, but that we would be a body that is completely moving forward in the mission of God. Oh, church, arise put your armor on. We have a task. We have a mission. It's time to get our hands dirty. Let's go and let's make disciples of all nations. Father, we pray